welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove, and I'm joined by a man who always picks the correct starting 11. Eh? <laughs> His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. For which team is the question? For the US men's national right. team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, not, you're not picking the Canada starting 11, right? That's not what you're all about. I don't know. I, you, you're not all about. I could be all about that, Daryl. <laughs> oh, I wish, I wish I hadn't started with that joke. <laughs> I have no other Canadian accents. So that's right. You hoser. There we go. There's two. All, all I have is the uh, the jokes from the South Park movie. Yeah. <laughs> all right, buddy. <laughs> I'm not your buddy, pal. All right. <laughs> we are here to talk. Planned. The U.S.'s uh, second CONCACAF Nations League game. Yes. It's away to Canada. Mm-hmm. It's that big away trip that um, Greg Berhalter was Hostile. so worried about. They're just the culture is going to be so different. How, is J- How are Michael Bradley and uh, company going to be welcomed into the stadium they play in? Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this, though. Um, after the impressive handling of Cuba, mm-hmm. um, I'm looking forward to this game because I think it's going to be something of a test for the U.S. men's national team. Yes, I think so. Canada's not Mexico. Mm-mm. Canada's not Argentina. Um, but Canada is much improved. Out of context, Total Soccer Show. Canada's not Mexico. No, you know <laughs> I know what this you mean. Like I know, I know. an opponent where we were yeah. thinking, oh, they might be better mm-hmm. than us. I think of it more as this is an opponent that has some threats, has some weapons, and we still should expect to beat them. And to me, that's a really good challenge. I agree. I think anytime you beat a team that is significantly inferior, there's always an element of, but like, but that next team could be more exciting yeah. because the other team was so poor. So I think there is a small percentage percentage of that in some of my thoughts on Canada is like, but I know they're going to be better than Cuba, so that already makes them more deadly. Yeah. But I also think... But they, given, they, they, look, they look way better just because of the comparison. Yes. Yeah. But then I also think they look way better because they are way better, especially from Canadian teams we've played uh, in the past. Yeah. And I think the United yeah, States... They didn't have Bayern Munich players on them in the past, They, they? certainly did not. And then I think the United States being like relatively weak combined with some of the injuries they're dealing with. I think this is a much more competitive game than we've seen in the past. I don't think that's necessarily a condemnation of U.S. soccer or the U.S. men's national team. I think it's a sign that Canadian soccer is getting better. It's not a thing I love, but it is the case. And we're still in a sort of rebuilding phase, Mm -hmm. right? We're in a bear-halter building phase. Yep. Um, Also, I want Canada to be good. A BB fur, if you will. A BB fur, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I want Canada to be good. Yeah. I love the rivalry with Mexico because it gives us games to look forward to in CONCACAF. If Canada suddenly became a dangerous team, it would give us a nice rivalry to the north, right? Like, it don't would. get me wrong, I want the US to win this game. But I would like a version of this where the US wins this game and we see signs that, oh, this Canada team could be like a rival for mm-hmm. the next decade or so. I, I still think you will never... I'm not sure this is what you're saying, but like the reason why I have a harder time getting excited about that is just because we don't have the history of geopolitically uh, ruining <laughs> Canada the way we do with many other Central and South American states. Yeah. So like that is always going to heighten that rivalry between yeah, the United States and Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You know, War of 1812, there's still some bad blood. <laughs> <laughs> Port Ro- Point Roberts, Port Roberts, whatever it is. Yeah, that's so, always yeah, signs. I understand. Maybe there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's not the same it's not gonna be the same level of rivalry yeah. but i'd like some level of rivalry other than oh we played them in january camp and it's no no that's fair you know what i'm saying yeah i think so <laughs> and i think they've given you good reason uh to maybe think about a rivalry in the future because as you said they've got players playing for bayern munich as well yeah. as other big clubs so maybe we should spend a moment to discuss canada if that works yeah for you. i think especially when we get into picking our u.s 11 yeah. and how we would like the u.s to approach this game canada have enough threats that mm-hmm. it's worth taking those into account all right all right um, I think the player that I would start with is weirdly not Alfonso Davies. How dare you? Um, it's Jonathan Davies. Okay. And I think it's important to highlight him because I think a lot of our listeners might not know about him. Mm-hmm. But if he was American, 
we'd be all about him. There'd be, there'd be a lot of coverage about 19-year-old striker Jonathan David, who is playing for Genk in Belgium and doing quite well. I think it's Ghent. It's, it? the, it's the ever-confusing oh, Genk me. versus Ghent. Ghent. Right. Yes. He's playing for Ghent in Belgium, as I definitely said. Uh, well, it's not that I knew that off the top of my head. I've got the Wikipedia page in front of me, which also <laughs> tells me that in 10 appearances for Canada, he has 11 goals. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think you are correct that if you were playing for the United States with that scoring rate, we'd be slightly more angry if Jossie Sardis started over him. Can I make you a little, a little upset? Mm-hmm. Um, he was born in New York. Yeah. Of course. We, we maybe could have got at him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so always, there's always going to be a few of those. Uh, and yeah, in this case, maybe we're going to rue that day a little <laughs> bit more than we have in the past. So I've had a good look mm-hmm. at Jonathan David playing for that team that begins with G mm-hmm. um, and also for Canada. Um, he's got a lot going for him. Um, okay. He has the element of surprise going for him. I've, I, he does a lot. I've seen a lot of him doing this thing. Uh, you know, the trick we love where you uh, shape as if you're receiving the ball. Mm-hmm. But at the last minute, you turn and carry it. Yeah. He does that a lot, and people seem to fall for it an awful lot. He also just seems to have the element of surprise. Like A lot of the times, there's like a back heel that you don't see coming. Mm-hmm. Jonathan David is, um, I think of him as sharp, like quick decisions that trick people. All right. Yeah. Where, where do you expect him, or where would your best guess be as to where we see him for Canada against the United States? I don't know. So he's either going to play center forward or if he doesn't play centre forward, he'll still start mm-hmm. and I think he'll end up on the wing. Lucas yep. um, Cavallini right. will play centre forward if Jonathan David doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I've almost got a list of reasons to be worried about him. So he's got some physicality. He's only 5'11", but he's kind of built. He's mm-hmm. strong. He will win physical tussles. He's also pretty quick if he runs in behind. I mean, those are things that neither of the Cuban attackers offered, right? When the ball went forward, we weren't worried about their pacing behind. We weren't worried about how they sort of held the ball up and we couldn't get it off them. So he's got mm-hmm. all those things going for him. This is maybe a, a difficult question, but like I'll do my best to ask it. Hopefully you understand what I'm trying to get at. Like A lot of times we can sort of guess what uh, our opponent or a-, a team is going to do by where they play a player. So if you've got mm-hmm. this very creative, tricky, like the one that stands out in my mind is like Kim Little playing for Scotland. That like yeah. If you play her further forward, you're expecting Expecting to get more shooting opportunities, more attacking opportunities, so you want your best goal scorer in a position to score goals. But if you know you're playing against a stronger opponent, then she became a number ten slash a number eight yeah. because she you want her on the ball more. So I guess can we do that here with Jonathan David? Do you think like can we say like kind of, if yeah. he's a right winger, they're going to be sitting deeper a little bit more and trying to counterattack through him? I think so. No, if I think if he's on the wing and it's uh, Lucas Cavallini mm-hmm. um, who plays for Puebla in Mexico, if it's him up front, I think that means they're a little less confident about being the dominant team because Cavallini is more of a a target forward um, who they will be serving Mm -hmm. balls up to and hoping that he connects play whereas if you play Jonathan David for example they played Jonathan David at forward when they played Cuba because they knew they'd be all over them they'd have the ball and actually the more I'm saying this I think I'm talking myself into it it may end up being Cavallini okay Um, but I also think that Canada are so focused on this game um, I, that it's probably difficult to guess what they're going to do because there's a good chance uh, that coach... Is it Birdman, the, the head coach? Um, Jonathan Herdman, excuse mm. me. Birdman's Michael Keaton. Um, <laughs> that John Herdman may have... Or he may, one, of the, one of the rappers from New Orleans, <laughs> I think, right? He yeah. may have some wacky plan that he's been working on for months. That didn't do it for you? You were in on I that I wasn't one? familiar. <laughs> That's, fair. familiar. That's fair. That's <laughs> fair. Um, yeah, okay. So we've got Jonathan David on one side potentially or maybe potentially up top. If it yeah. is David uh, up top, then maybe we see uh, Junior Hoylett, who we've talked about at yeah. points on this show mm-hmm. uh, previously. It may be Junior Hoylett starts on the right, but the man you mentioned previously, we would fully expect to start at left wing has played left back for Canada I'm guessing we see him at left wing is Alfonso Davies so Alfonso Davies I think that's the question does he start on the left wing Mm -hmm. or does he start left back because if I'm 
Jonathan Herdman, I might have watched that Cuba game um, and seen the form that Jordan Morris is in and think, pacey threat down the right. What do I counter that with? Mm-hmm. Alfonso Davies might be a good answer at left back, especially if you've got enough wingers and attackers that you can play there. The only other time I've seen him like that I recall seeing him play like left left back, left wing back, left center back was in the All-Star game, I think against Juventus maybe that year. Uh, And I think that was more so an opportunity to just get him on the field. The times that I think he has been a left back for Canada was maybe when they expected to be a bit more attacking and they wanted to get as many attacking options on the field as they could. I don't know how much... uh, I don't know enough to know about his defensive abilities, but that would be my one question. Is like I don't know if just putting in a pacier, faster player negates what Jordan Morris is offering or whomever is playing out there. So maybe that's where you want to go with a more dedicated defensive option and let Alfonso Davies have a bit more attacking freedom. All right, so if Alfonso Davies is played as the attacking mm-hmm. left winger, there is plenty for us to be worried about. Yeah. This young man has got moves, mm-hmm. and then he's got the acceleration to leave you in his dust after he's put a move on you. He is also, despite being a teenager, he's not one of those like skinny, weak teenagers, right? He's mm-hmm. a teenager that can happily knock you over. He large. He's, a, he big. Large, he's, he's a large man who is somehow also very fast and very graceful. Yes. I'm slightly and terrified again, for the U.S. defense against yeah. Alfonso Davies. Because I don't mean large in the sense of like he's not like six foot five and going to be destructive. Yeah, yeah. It's just he has all the skill sets you've mentioned. So even any semblance of size is another factor to have to consider. Yeah. And yes, has the sturdiness, has played at professional level at a high level with Bayern Munich. Um, not necessarily like a first team regular for Bayern Munich. But he has but played still, in the first team. Exactly. Yeah. So definitely the most technical player I think the United States is going to be having to deal with and maybe also the one that's like the biggest x factor because if you're catching him on a night when he's electric and up for it and wants to humble the united states yeah, yeah. we could have problems mm-hmm. okay so if i was canada yeah if i was john herdman i think i would go with a pressing system against mm-hmm. the united states yeah because i would have seen the the trouble we had playing out of the press against mexico in the past i'm not sure that, that problem's ever been solved the Mm -hmm. US hasn't proven they can play out of a high press I think um, Jonathan David I didn't mention this when I first talked about him I saw in the highlights I saw a lot of um, hassling Mm -hmm. a lot of him winning balls back off defenders Um, Alfonso Davis I think is going to be tough to to get past I think you could have a hard working um, front band of attackers willing to press the United States I think that could cause trouble for mm-hmm. the U.S. rather than Canada sitting back and trying to break on us. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that's like it's that, a risk, right, from Herdman. But I think you, if I was him, that's the risk I'd be taking. Uh, it's, I think it's a risk worth taking. Yes, exactly. Because like, go back to the Uruguay game. I think a huge reason why the United States looked so much better than they did against against Mexico was because Uruguay sat off. They gave Mm -hmm. the United States time. Cuba sort of tried to press, but it was a very familiar press. We talked about this in preview to what the United States occasionally try to do, where it's like, oh, two of them are running at a defender, or two of them are running at a player with the ball, but then the other two are sitting off, and it's not quite the collective press that really causes problems. And I think if Canada are able to do that, I agree with you. I think it puts the United States off of their confident footing much faster than just being frustrated because they can't find a way through a packed opponent. I'd also say this for Canada. If you look at the roster... It's really talented and exciting mm-hmm. up front, right? Um, there are four players that we mentioned for probably three positions, right? Their midfield is pretty good. Mm-hmm. There's some, a couple of players I'd like to talk about. Like We'll get to the central midfield in a minute. The weakest part of their roster, I mean, even if you just look at which clubs these uh, players mm-hmm. play for, 
is the defense. Yep. Right. They, it's definitely the weakest part of the roster. So it's not. I I then wouldn't want to like rely on my defense to keep me in the game. I would go with my more talented attackers and midfielders and force the issue with the press. I'm yeah. not saying that's what Herdman would do. I'm just giving him advice the day before the game. I mean, to back you up, though, <laughs> to back you up, like I did a quick idea of like what I thought Canada's starting 11 might be. Yeah. And the only areas where I have like either a complete lack of depth or two question marks is the, the four-man back line. Yeah. A big part of that is because Daniel Henry, I believe, is suspended for this game. I think oh. picked up two yellows against Cuba in their last Nations League game. I didn't know that. So I believe he is suspended. I do not know the rules for sure, so maybe there's an asterisk there. But if he is so out... a yellow in one and a yellow in the other. He got two yellows in that last game against Cuba, the 1-0 away win that Canada had. Isn't that a red? Yes, that's what I'm saying. So oh. I think he's suspended for okay, this okay. game. That's what yeah. I'm saying, for yellow card accumulation. Um, and so yeah, You'd be suspended for being sent off, right? Uh, I mean, a second yellow, you get a suspended for, like, the second yellow. It's not a straight red, which is oh, a really? different thing. It's a weird okay. thing. Yeah, right. for, for second bookable offense or whatever is I what see, you're sent off for. It's it's semantics. Mm-hmm. The point is that at, once you move uh, Henry from that one, I think you see Derek Cornelius start, who's 21 years old for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Again, to I your don't point. don't know much about him. Exactly. It's not, it's not suddenly quite so many proven names left back. There have been a few different names tried there. So I think I'm with you that you don't necessarily want to go with a, yeah, this is an unproven back line that's maybe missing one of our veteran players. But, yeah, let's sit deep and try to see what happens. I think it makes much more sense to go out and try to press and make the United States uncomfortable. All right. Can we talk about that midfield then? Because I think there are a couple of names that uh, U.S. fans should be Mm -hmm. um, aware of. The first one is a player that, I'll be honest, I did not know existed until I started doing some research for this. It's the captain. Yeah. It's Scott Arfield. Yeah. So Scott Arfield is... Essentially Scottish with Canadian heritage. Um, he did the one-time switch uh, a couple of years ago, maybe mm-hmm. three years ago. He plays for Rangers. I watched some footage. Scott Arfield is a player that Greg Berhalter would love to have in his team. This is a controlling midfielder. This mm-hmm. is a guy with extremely precise passing. Lots of beautiful diagonals, lots of uh, clever little passes, lots of uh, really uh, perfectly weighted through balls is what I saw from Scott Arfield, both for Canada and for Rangers, mm-hmm. I think his passing is something the U.S. should be worried about. All right. All right. Yeah. So we think it'll be our field. It tends to be a three-man midfield. It could be a four-two-three-one. It could be 4 3 3 however you want to yeah. look at it, whatever. Um, I agree with you that uh, our field, I think, will start and be difficult for the United States. And I think yeah. his partner, uh, Mark anthony Kay, yes. certainly does not help with making that midfield uh, easier to break down. No. So, yeah, Mark anthony Kay, you'll know from um, from LAFC. What would you mm-hmm. say his qualities are? I can't say I've like paid enough attention to his game, but I think of him as like a, just a good all-round player who does a bit of everything. Uh, yeah, I would say that, and I think uh, like again, I'm not an, L- an LAFC fan. I can't say that I've watched every single game of his. From what I have seen, I appreciate his like calmness on the ball that isn't slowness on the ball, but it's yeah. just, he seems very calm in his post-match interviews I've seen. He's very sort of like, like uh, how do I say this, like academic, but not like, not like, like nerdy. He's not pushing up his glasses. It's just more <laughs> of a like, he gives succinct, thoughtful, but to the point answers. Yeah. I heard him talk about I think he got a little emotional I can't remember if that was him or not but like I think I've seen him in a few different scenarios able to explain what was being asked of him or what the problems were or how they were able to adjust All right, so he's good in the post-match press conference no but it's more so that that's <laughs> representative of what he is on the field that I think he's a calm presence who figures yeah. stuff out I also know I've seen him played fullback mm-hmm. for Canada a few times maybe if they are a bit worried about sort of lack of experience mm-hmm. or uh, lack of quality in the back 
it's possible Mark Anthony Kay ends up playing fullback and maybe trying to defend uh, one of our wingers. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. The other guy that we know from MLS. I think you lo- you love multiple position speculation. That seems to be I your do. bread and butter lately. Well, honestly, I like could to be give, here. I like to give our listeners a heads up. Yeah. That you might see this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think we'll see Jonathan Osorio. I yep. think Jonathan Osorio. We know from Toronto FC. Um, really nice, creative, creative player. Yep. Right. So I think a bit of the midfield creation from Canada could come through Jonathan Osorio. I would double down on that one because David Wotherspoon uh, has been the other option in that four-two-three-one as the kind of number ten, the central midfielder. He is not in this squad, which to me opens up the door for yes, it to be Jonathan Osorio yeah. as that number ten starting against the U.S. Uh, Samuel Piet mm-hmm. is a guy I'm not as familiar with, but he has forty-four caps and is very highly rated by a lot of people. I do know he had an adventure in Europe, but came back um, and played in Major League Soccer. That's another he's, name that you might see starting in midfield. He's also the other name that confuses me consistently because I can never remember if it's like Admiral Piet or if it's PT or if it's one of those uh, different pronunciation things. I think it's PT. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? We'll find out. PT didn't even have a head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One name missing, uh, Kyle Larin, Mm -hmm. was not selected. Was that a Dumb and Dumber reference? (laughs) Two minutes to remember what that came from. (laughs) There we go. Kyle Larin, not on this roster. Not on this roster. um, Honestly, given the, the wealth of attacking talent we just listed, um, maybe not such a big deal. You're just wearing like a very nice wool sweater. You look all academic, your glasses, your hair parted, and then a Dumb and Dumber reference out of nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere. It's a pullover, but thanks for noticing. Oh, I apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so one thing, you mentioned um, Canada playing like maybe a 4-3-3 or yeah. 4-2-3-1. Mm-hmm. The one weird wrinkle is I went back and looked at the Gold Cup, and when they played teams that they thought were more competitive – they switched it up. So hmm. against Mexico in the group stage, they played 5-4-1. Against Haiti in the quarterfinal, they played 4-5-1 or like mm-hmm. a 4-4-1-1 and lost. Right. So I don't know. It's With Alfonso quite, Davies at left back. Right. Yeah. So it's quite tough to predict. Maybe they look back on that and say maybe being a bit more mm-hmm. uh, cowardly is not the way to go because we ended up losing to Haiti like that. Honestly, I think you, you have, you've hit the nail on the head here. I'm not saying this is what they will do, but your explanation of – questionable defense, much stronger midfield and attack. Uh, the United States has looked vulnerable to pressing and to teams kind of going at them and making them uncomfortable. Yeah. That seems to me the game plan that Canada should go for. Yeah. Uh, they may not, that's, that's but not it's the one that makes sense. Right? That's no, just not at saying, all. If I was playing the U.S., Here's what I'd do. Oh, no, well, yeah, I, but I think we never try to. We never claim that like we have maximum uh, authority or knowledge of any uh, opponent the United States is playing, especially in a friendly like this. But I think what we try to do is sort of look at their strengths, look at their weaknesses, and look at what is the most common sense way to deploy those to get a result. Yeah. And I think you're totally right that sitting off, being defensive, changing up the shape has not worked for uh, Canada to the greatest degree, especially in the Gold Cup and that loss to Haiti you mentioned. Yeah. So like just being a bit more aggressive stepping out a bit more especially against the US team that we think there will be some changes with as well that makes a lot more sense and I think is a good call by you alright so to very quickly summarize before mm-hmm. we move on I'm going to say there's going to be an ad read and then we start picking our US I 11. believe you are that correct sounds, about right, sounds like a plan um, look out for Jonathan David up front because he's got um, a little bit of everything and he brings the element of surprise check look out for Alfonso Davis's dribbling and acceleration because that's going to be dangerous check look out for uh, actually look out for Junior Hoylet's shot from distance I know as a Wolves fan that that can happen to you 
And I would assume that even if he doesn't start, yes, it can. And I would assume even if he doesn't start, Junior Horlet is a player we will see at some point in yes, this game. Yes, one way or another, yeah. Yeah, he'll pop up on the wing. Uh, look out for Scott Arfield's mm-hmm. very precise and scary passing. It's a thing I didn't know about before today, uh, but mm-hmm. all this morning, but now I'm a little worried yeah. about it. And a little bit of creativity from Jonathan Osorio sure. is another thing to be worried mm-hmm. about. Yeah. yeah, and also um, a lot of familiarity between Osorio and Michael Bradley and vice versa. Yeah, well, that'd be an interesting clash, right? It certainly um, will, since he, Michael Bradley we're expecting to be the kind of number six we would assume would be matched up at least a little bit against Jonathan Osorio if he is that number 10. All right, well, if you feel like you need mm-hmm. calming down... Yeah, I see where you're going with this one. I see where you're going with this one. What could you do, Daryl Grove? Could you get kicked out of the uh, ad copy? Because that's what's happened over here. I found mine. I've got mine. Today's show is <laughs> sponsored by Feels. Feels is a way to feel better. Their premium CBD will keep your head clear and help you feel your best. CBD has been proven to greatly reduce anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, this worked for my wife. Talk so it out. she recently had mm-hmm. um, an attack, I'm going to call it an attack, of, uh, what's it called, sciatica. Mm-hmm. The sciatic nerve, when stuff gets inflamed around the sciatic nerve and just presses yep. on it. The thing that Polly Shore introduced me to as a child. Yep. There is no, I, I've only, this is the first time either of us mm-hmm. experienced this, like I did it vicariously through her. She was in constant pain for about 24 hours because there was no like good stretch or position that she could get in that would give her any relief. So it was, she was in a, in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way she got some sleep was to have a few drops of feels, mm-hmm. CBD. She said that was the only time she managed to essentially stop thinking about it because mm-hmm. she was constantly like, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it yeah. hurts. She said it just calmed her down because anxiety is a part of it, right? When you're in pain, it's like it all builds on each other. She said it calmed her down and she was able to just get some sleep after feels. All right, so yeah. we know the U.S. soccer has at least somewhat of a surplus. I'm going to say this. You get... All the angsty, upset uh, U.S. fans in one giant location. <laughs> then you like turn on the sprinkler system, but it's filled with uh, feel CBD, and then it sprays out over everybody. We, the entire U.S. fan base, needs anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness reduced. And I think if you apply that everywhere, then maybe people feel a little bit better about the national team. Maybe we're a little bit more relaxed, even if things don't go the way we want them to. The results don't go that well. We still don't have the anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness, and I think that's a positive <laughs> for sure. So, though having it rain down on you in yeah. the stadium sounds nice. Blade style. Uh, <laughs> That'd be yes. good too. But what feels actually do, they ship it direct to your doorstep um, in only a few days. That makes more sense. That's that means probably an easier uh, deployment system. It's more traditional, right? It's more <laughs> traditional. Yes. It feels is the natural, mm-hmm. healthy, better way to feel better. That's right. And if you don't want to bathe in it, which is not necessarily recommended, uh, you place a few drops of feels under your tongue. You feel the difference within minutes, but it's worth noting there is no high, there's no hangover, there's no threat of addiction or anything yes. like that. So you can just enjoy it, calm down, and feel better about U.S. soccer <laughs> Or anything else, including sciatica. And if you are like confused about CBD mm-hmm. and about feels, they have human support on the CBD hotline, also text message support to help you guide you to guide you through the experience um, of using feels. You could also ask them on the hotline um, what their starting eleven for the US would be, and if they can calm you down about that. You never know; you might yeah. get someone who knows all about US soccer. <laughs> it's a it's a double whammy. <laughs> uh, so our listeners can become a member today by going to feels.com/tss, and they will get fifty percent off the first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash T-S-S to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. That URL one more time is F-E-A-L-S feels dot com slash 
T-S-S. That all checks out. Thank you very much to Fields for sponsoring today's episode and for making uh, Shannon and, I guess, vicariously Daryl yes. feel better about things. It was it was an incredible moment. <laughs> all right. Now, U.S. fans felt maybe slightly better. It was not quite an incredible moment uh, beating C- Cuba 7-0. It was an incredible first 15 minutes. But it did make us all feel a little bit better, I yeah, think. Yeah. So, well, not all of us. Most of us. Some people were still like, yeah, who cares? Really? Uh, and to those people, I say, well, let's worry about Canada then because, mm. as we've said, it will be a, a stronger opponent certainly than it was against Cuba, but a stronger Canada than I think the United States has played in a good long while, if not ever. Mm -hmm. So, Daryl, how then do you think the U.S. should approach this game? Do you think it will be, like, should we see any deviation or experimentation here, or do you want to see more of what we saw against Cuba, not necessarily the goals, but the way the U.S. played? Do you just want to see them continuing along that line? I mean, yes, in terms of the positional play, Mm -hmm. the possession, the patterns of play that I think... We, we were all allowed to see how it's supposed to work against Cuba. I mentioned this on the review show, right? Mm-hmm. You could see the patterns of play because Cuba let us do it. I mean, I want to see the players full of confidence about the system working and running those patterns. And then like it's so developed at this point that it works against a better opponent. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think... Um, whether we like it or not, that is definitely going to be the plan, right? Greg Berhalter's not going to have a whole, suddenly a whole different plan and a different style of play to go up against Canada, right? So, I would assume that. Yeah. Yes. So I want to see, sort of, I want to see it look a, at least a little bit like it looked against Cuba, mm-hmm. um, knowing that it can't look exactly the same because the opponent's much better. Is that this fair? is true. This yeah. is very, very fair. Yeah, we have had, and then in terms of how the team will actually look, we've had a few little snippets from the press conference that he yeah. he held today. Uh, Do you want me to share quickly? Yeah, go ahead, please. What please. I know. So mm-hmm. these are just tweets from a tweet from Nico Cantor that mm-hmm. I saw. There was a report from the press conference. Um, so Zach Stefan will start. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bear to confirm that there was some injury concern about him last week, right? But it seems like uh, Zach Stefan is fit enough and is absolutely the U.S. number one at this point. Yeah. Right? Uh, Zach Stefan will start. Um, Josh Sargent, they're monitoring his ankle. Do you remember there was an injury during the first half? Yep. And he was kind of stretching it out towards the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. So they're monitoring his ankle. They're not sure in what sort of shape he's in. And I think the Bearhalter quote was they'll be happy, I think, quote, happy uh, with either Sargent or Zardes at mm-hmm. striker. Yep. So the mystery will continue until Tuesday night. It certainly will. Yeah. By the way, this game is Tuesday night. Uh, mm-hmm approximately a 7.30 Eastern kickoff on ESPN2 and Univision Deportes. If I were a betting man... TUDN, as they call it now. TUDN, of course. If I were a betting man, which I'm not really, but I think if I had to bet, my guess is that it's going to be Giassi Zardes starting this game. I think because... Why would you push all your chips to Giassi Zardes? Oh, I've already pushed all my chips in on the Cuba game, and I feel comfortable with that. You'd be wealthy now. You never bluff immediately, or not (laughs) never, but it's rare to see the bluff immediately after the Mm all-in when you've just hit your hand. So I feel like uh, I'm not going to push in and risk that one again. But I will say, I think because we have seen Berhalter rotate between, between friendlies, this is not a friendly, but yep. it's still a, a like two competitive games in a, in a tight time period. So I think we'll see some experimentation, some uh, rotation. And then I think that combined, I think we may have seen uh, Zardes to begin with, just because Sargent played uh, most of that game. Did he play the whole game? Yep. Yeah, played the whole game against Cuba. So I think we always would have seen rotation. Maybe Sargent starts and maybe Zardes played a half, but I think because of the Injury, it's far more likely, in my opinion, that we see Giassi's artist start. I mean, it was going to be Josie Altador. Right? This is true. So Very whatever, true. whatever's going on, uh, Greg Berhalter is using his second choice. Yep. We just don't know if his second choice is Sergeant we or don't. Zardes. Here's what I really hope. I hope that the Sergeant's ankle injury um, isn't an issue um, in the selection process, mm-hmm. but if only because I want the information of who... Who does Berhalter who, go Who's with. his number two? But if he's got the excuse of, oh, well, Josh's ankle wasn't quite up to it, 
then I'm picking Jassy, then we don't know the answer to the question, right? It's mm-hmm. like Jassy by default. I, th- I mean, that's the two it. sweetest words in the English language. <laughs> Jassy by default? Default. Okay. <laughs> oh, default is your two sweetest. <laughs> I was confused. Um, yeah, uh, that said, if it is Josh Sargent, do we have the answer then? Is Josh Sargent yes. the number two? Yeah, because there's points right. on the line. It's mm-hmm. a tough opponent. And then the guy that was trusted to go out and play against Canada, mm-hmm. that's the number two striker right okay. behind Josie. Yeah. All right. So then maybe we should do what we usually do and try to kind of build out our starting 11. Does that work for you or is there yeah, anything else you wanted to do first? It absolutely does. Oh, it's probably just worth adding that in that press conference, Bearhalter mentioned that Tyler Adams at some point mm-hmm. will play the number six for the United States. We kind of could have guessed that anyway, right? Mm-hmm. I think everyone had just got a little bit anxious about like, oh, we're never going to play him at the number six. I'm definitely People still... need to calm down. Uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm definitely still, even though we've all decided we're talked out about it, we don't want to hear anything more about Serginho Dest, I'm still... You know, one eye towards the Netherlands, just seeing what's happening. Yeah. And uh, there, there is like, I, and now I'm overanalyzing everything. And there's an element of like, well, if Tyler Adams is going to play as the number six, then maybe that's like, there's already too many right back options. And maybe Greg Borhalter was like, all right, well, Serginho Dest is going to come in and be a right back. So Tyler Adams, you can be a number six now. That's where I'm choosing to see this. I think that's a very optimistic. Oh, way you're 100 percent. It is. Yeah. Yes, of course. I think essentially what's happened mm-hmm. is remember there was the interview on TUDN. Why are you ruining this? Where we, and we we had to kind of clarify it for mm-hmm. people, right? Where he had talked about the potential. Uh, successes yeah, right, to Michael right. Bradley mm-hmm. and he was like York can do this Trap can do this I still haven't had a good look at Tyler Adams at the number six mm-hmm. so I, I'm going to guess there was a follow up question in the press conference about can you ever see Adams playing at the number six yeah so okay. it's just Bell having to clarify for a, a miscommunication essentially all right, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But I'm still choosing to believe at least 1% that it's Serginho <laughs> Dest letting people know. Uh, uh, he won't be playing today. He will not. Instead, who do we think will be playing at right back? Reggie Cannon looked fine, looked good against Cuba. I talked to him afterwards. He said he was up for the challenge of whomever else might be there. It seems like for this squad, the most likely candidate to replace him would be DeAndre Edlin. Yep, there's also Nick Lima on the roster, who mm-hmm. we, we can tell maybe from the Cuba game, but Bayhalter just does not see him ever playing left back. Yes, So it's Cannon, Yedlin, Lima. Mm-hmm. And I wonder now, if Lima was called up because um, Yedlin's only just back from injury and it might be the type of injury that reoccurs. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe Lima's like an insurance policy yeah. um, a little bit. For me, I would start Reggie Cannon if only because he's looked so good against Cuba, had that connection with Jordan Morris, all those, like, those one-time passes mm-hmm. to find Morris down the wing. I also just think there is something to be said for his recent performances through the Gold Cup uh, and in these, the Cuba game. He's earned that spot. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels unfair for DeAndre Yedlin to come back, play, what, a game plus 16 minutes for Newcastle and just walk straight back into the U.S. men's national team. All right. I want to pause that for one moment to ask yeah. you this. Is it close to the vest or close to the chest where you play your cards? Because whichever one they say in the Dark Knight is or, di- or yeah, the Dark Knight is wrong. Isn't it either? I think it's, yeah, I'm playing this close to the chest. How about it's it's close to the vest if you're wearing a vest? Okay. If you're not wearing a vest, it's close to the chest. I think that's what confuses yeah. me right there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Berhalter does seem to like to play his cards close to the vest chest uh, in that he... But Gareth Southgate is close to the vest. Of course it is. Uh, <laughs> but like, I think he doesn't want to give too much away. And with that in mind, we don't really know how he sees these two games aside mm-hmm. from like competitive games Canada's going to be hostile away fixture whatever like we don't know if he is treating it as I'm going to play my B team against Canada and the A team such as it is against or excuse me B team against Cuba A team against Canada and so 
that is another thing that like I don't have an answer to, but I will be paying a lot of attention to. Is that starting eleven? Because if it's DeAndre Edlin, then I want to see like, well, is that because Yedlin is the starting right back right now, or is it that he wants to just see what Yedlin is capable of? Like yeah. I don't, I still won't know for sure. But I think if it's Cannon starting at right back, similar to if it's Sergeant starting up top, then we kind of know like, oh, right now, right back is Reggie Cannon's to lose. Yeah, well, I think you've also got to factor in the Yedlin injury mm-hmm. recency to it right it's, the situation is different every time and you can't have a definitive ranking of Cannon over Yedlin because it might be that we get to November Yedlin's played another five games in the Premier League yeah. and comes into camp looking hot you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. I feel like Behalter is more of a in the moment oh, kind of guy oh Jesse Yedlin cares about style he's always looking hot <laughs> uh, yeah yeah, and I think also what we learned from Berhalter's uh, comments before and after the Cuba game is he, I don't think he sees things in terms of a depth chart I don't yes. think it's this is my starting right back and then this is my number two and this is my number three I think it's more of a this is the right back for when we want to do this this is the right back for when we want to do that yep. and so maybe that's a thing we will f- learn more about from this Canada game I have a feeling we end up seeing DeAndre Yedlin Starting at right back, really? yeah, because of a little bit of rotation, because if you're calling him in, I it could just be because he wants to see where he's at in relation to I just get him involved the in injury. Camps. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I also think we're going to see a bit more rotation than we, like from the Cuba starting lineup, lineup to this one. Like I think that will be Michael Bradley. That's an obvious one. Yeah. But I think also DeAndre Edlin starts at right back. Okay, but the TSS choice would be Cannon? Because the Darrell choice is Cannon. I don't know where you are exactly. What do you mean when you say choice? If you were picking the team. If I were picking the team, it's probably Reggie Cannon. Okay. I think until he can't do it, I want to see him continue to develop. And I think also Jordan Morris has earned the start again. Yeah. And I like that combination, as you said. Yes, Mm -hmm. same, same, same. All right, center backs. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put my cards away from my vest slash chest on the table. Vest chest. Um, I would go Matt Miazga and Aaron Long at center back. Because there's enough pacey threats mm-hmm. um, in terms of Alfonso Davis, if he ends up coming through the middle, uh, Jonathan David, um, I'm a little worried about his burst of acceleration. I think between Miazga and Reem, there's not quite enough pace. Mm-hmm. So I would be getting Aaron Long in um, at left centre back to um, make sure there's someone with a bit, a bit of a burst of pace to keep up with Canada's attackers. I was all set to say that I want it to be Miazga and Reem again because I want to see that partnership develop further. Yeah. You're, you're right. It should be like Aaron Long. You? Yes, you have. Uh, Aaron Long, who, by the way, is sneaky tall. Like, I did not yeah, realize yeah. how tall that man is. He's, uh-huh. a, he's a big fella. So he's fast and big, and I think you put him alongside Miazga. I don't know if this is where you were going, but I also think that we saw Daniel Lovitz, who we expect to be more of a stay-at-home left back, maybe venture a little bit more, but tends to be a bit more defensive, stays a little bit deeper. Yeah. I think we probably then see Tim Reem play that spot again. Against Canada, yep. and that suddenly makes a lot more sense. Tim Ream at left back, yep. yeah, that, that's what I've got too. Because he do, definitely doesn't deserve to be dropped, and I think he just brings a lot, brings a lot to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, yeah. So Tim Ream at left back, uh, Miazga and Long at centre back. Also, the area, you were really impressed with Matt Miazga in the air. Yes, I was against Cuba. Um, it, there'll be more of a challenge if it is um, uh, Cavallani starting. I think Cavallani is, is Cavallini. Cavallini, excuse mm-hmm. me is more of an aerial threat than Cuba offered. So you at least see Matt Miazga challenged a bit more in the air. Okay. Yeah. All right. He won't be able to stand and not jump and still win headers. I mean, the man's got skills. <laughs> the, man, the man is tall. That's what I can say about that one. Let's do uh, one of the midfielders. Well, before we move okay. to midfield, I think we should do today's second okay. sponsor. Today's show is also sponsored by SeatGeek, mm-hmm. our long-running friends at SeatGeek. Mm-hmm. With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a 
a better, if not best way uh, to buy tickets. You can search for sports, live music, comedy, and more. They have the tickets you're looking for all in one place, and they are guaranteed, which means you can buy them and rest assured that you will actually have a ticket. You will actually have a seat. <laughs> you will not be showing up to find out that you bought bootleg tickets that do not exist. <laughs> they also make the whole thing nice and easy, mm-hmm. right? You go through the SeatGeek app. They have scanned the whole internet and found the best. The entirety. The best ticket deals for you so you don't have to go to multiple sites. Maybe not the entirety of the internet because I would not want to wish that upon them. But yeah. they've scanned. Oh, there's no tickets from the deep web. There we dark go. Web. <laughs> yes, yeah. let's hope not. Let's hope not. Um, but what they do, and if they did. <laughs> My though, dark web experience uh, uh, exposed by me accidentally calling it the deep web. Hey, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, but if they did uh, have to go into the dark web, deep web, uh, they would still be able to break it down easily with the, uh, the color-coded system. Green dots on the ticket means uh, it's a good deal if you're looking at buying it. Red dots mean the tickets are or the seats are overpriced. Yep. Um, also, you can uh, you can go on other people's reviews. There mm-hmm. are fifty thousand five star reviews of the Total Soccer Show. Oh no, sorry, um, of the SeatGeek mm-hmm. app. <laughs> fifty thousand five star reviews of the SeatGeek app. So there are plenty of satisfied satisfied customers out there. That is correct, and I'm going to assume that there are still tickets available to Canada v USA. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go ahead and say that you can use SeatGeek to get those tickets, as you could for say the U.S. Women's National Team or any of the other various national teams uh, participating uh, in the United States and, you get 10, and surrounding countries. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off right. your first SeatGeek purchase. So you can save $10 on a ticket to any of those games or, you know, like a comedy or theater mm-hmm. or music event that you want to go to. All you got to do is use the promo code that we're about to give you. Long-time listeners will know that it is TSS. So download the SeatGeek app today. Use the promo code TSS for $10 off your first purchase. Mm-hmm. TSS for $10 off your first purchase. That is very true. Thank you very much to SeatGeek for sponsoring today's episode. To the midfield we go. To the midfield. All right, quick recap. Stefan Ingle, uh-huh. we've gone Cannon, Miazga and Long centre-back, Ream at left-back, mm-hmm. right? And we think that would be able to handle Canada's attack or give us the best chance of handling Canada's attack. I think so. Okay. To the midfield, mm-hmm. the controlling midfielder, the number six, it was Jackson Yule against Cuba. Will Trapp didn't dress. Mm-mm. We think it's going to be Michael Bradley. We do. Against Kanda. We're certain it's going to be Michael Bradley? I'm pretty confident. I yeah. think it will be Michael Bradley with Will Trapp uh, dressing and probably Jackson Ewell not dressing. Isn't that harsh after what Jackson Ewell put in a really, really good performance? Like, and in my opinion, cementing himself as at mm-hmm. least the, uh, the number two controlling midfielder. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's harsh... In the sense that, yeah, he did he did a fine job against Cuba and continued to sort of raise his estimation, in my opinion. Yeah. But Michael Bradley is the starting number six, I think, for the U.S. right now, especially under Berhalter. And and really, I think if you're going to bring in Will Trapp as like another midfield option, to not let him even dress for, for both games would be— I mean, he was allowed to wear clothes, just not— no, that you can play no he was in a towel on the sideline. It was, <laughs> it was awkward. He was wearing different colored shirts. I did notice that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think like to not have him dress for either game would be harsh in a way that I doubt Greg Berhalter wants to be. So I'm going to guess we see Michael Bradley, Will Trapp on the bench. But I still think Jackson Ewell has probably moved his way ahead yeah. of Will Trapp. I hope it's Ewell on the bench. Okay, but we're talking about this if it's definitely Michael Bradley. Right? Yes. So what does Michael Bradley bring to that role 
that because I'm not unhappy about this. I I'm still in the camp that Michael Bradley can perform that controlling midfield role perfectly well for the short term. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't want a 40 year old Michael Bradley doing it, but right now I still think he's the best number six mm-hmm. we've got. Yeah, I mean, well, to to answer your question, not in the way you wanted, but the way I'm, I'm prepared to answer right now. First of all, he's literally playing at home. I've worked with you before. Like I this know, is I know how this works. This is his home field. Yes. Like let let us not forget playing he knows against every inch of BMO yeah, field or playing BMO field. and playing against a teammate like that. That I think is is a key part of like he's not necessarily going to be rattled by an away game. Not that any of these players would he be. He knows all Osorio's tricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's that. But then I think it's also the veteran presence that that Greg Berhalter likes. He's obviously talked about the line diagonals, which we saw Jackson. You will be more than capable of hitting. Mm-hmm. I would still say. This is where we go back to the yes, but it's Cuba, and it could like like if you're coming under a little bit more pressure, can Jackson Ewell do those? If Canada's defense is a bit more organized or causes a few more problems, is Jackson Ewell as good at that? I wouldn't mind seeing the experimentation, but I have a lot of confidence that Michael Bradley can yeah. handle those sort of variations. It's just occurred to me that the way we talked about Jackson Ewell and say like Josh Sargent not making the Gold Cup roster, mm-hmm. that um, Bearhalter seems to integrate players very slowly mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like it's not that Jackson Yule can just suddenly win this starting number six spot and you might be right that he doesn't even make the bench for this game it's like it takes a while for you to learn the system earn his trust and get yourself a starting 11 spot mm-hmm. Unless you're Serginho Dest. I also don't think that Greg Berhalter is ever going to say, here's my starting 11. Like, that's never a thing aside from kickoff. Uh, like, that's never. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, at some point, for yeah. each game. But that's not going to be a thing I think we see from him. He's never going to say, like, yep, Michael Bradley is the number six until he's not. Like, I yeah. think it's always going to be little things that give him outs here and there when he needs them to be able to say, well, Jackson Ewell can do this and Michael Bradley can, or Michael Bradley can do this and Jackson Ewell can't. Yeah. Whether or not we agree with those justifications, I think Go that to is the barber is a way Jackson Ewell can do. Certainly. Michael Bradley can't. My, I mean, Michael Bradley has to get that hair shaved somehow. I guess so, yeah. Go to the barber for a long time. There we go. <laughs> All right, ahead of Michael Bradley. It's always weird when you see the bald player, like the shaved bald player up close, and you're like, oh, that's where the hair stops. <laughs> you can find the line. <laughs> you really can. <laughs> <laughs> the line of confrontation. Not mentioning any <laughs> names at all, Brad Guzan. But uh, anyway. <laughs> Here's what gets interesting. Yeah. So against Cuba, we saw in the two, the eight and the ten role that mm-hmm. play ahead of the controlling midfielder, um, we saw Christian Roldan at the eight and we saw Weston McKenney at the ten. Mm-hmm. And Weston McKenney was lights out the best player on the field. He was. Hat-trick like in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that beautiful assist to Jordan Morris sort of for the own goal like constant threat Weston McKenney in what essentially has been Christian Pulisic's position mm-hmm. and then Christian Pulisic out wide left yeah so my question is do we go with that same combination of Pulisic on the wing and McKenney in Pulisic's number 10 attacking midfield role spot or against tougher opposition do we revert back to Weston McKenney at the eight Christian Pulisic at the 10 Honest answer is I do not know. I okay. really do not know. You could talk me into either one. I think part of my confusion is rooted in the idea that Paul Ariola uh, yeah. took a big kick, apparently had like stud marks uh, near both knees, like mm-hmm. at the top of his leg, which means, means he got a lot of contact and maybe himself is dealing with some injury. Uh, so that was one element. And then Sebastian Legette coming in and looking 
very not good. I'm not going to say he looked bad, but he did not look nearly as sharp as we've come to see. His worst performance for the US, but it's up against quite a high bar because he's been really good. Right. I thought you meant against Cuba, and I was like, ah, (laughs) well, let's let's not say it's such a high bar. Um, So I think that is, like, Legette less so than Ariola because Ariola is actually maybe injured, whereas Legette, it's just more of a, like, well, he didn't look that good, so I'm not sure. But I say all that to say that, like, if Pulisic were going to be wide again, I do think it would be McKinney and then somebody else, maybe rolled on, but maybe Legette, and that's where I'm like, uh, but he didn't look that sharp. So does Berhalter want to stick with what kind of worked against Cuba? And I think the tougher thing is, if I understand it correctly, the way that Berhalter sees things Mm -hmm. is originally like Pulisic as the main number 10 on that left side with Legette as the reserve number 10 on that left side, right, ahead of, say, Dwayne Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, then McKenney as the first choice number eight, which is a slightly different role, right, because that number eight is expected to to drop back alongside the other midfielder in a 4-4-2 when we defend. The number 10 is expected to go alongside the striker. So it's a slightly more defensive role. Um, McKenney with Roldan as his backup. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm not convinced that it could be McKenney at left, attacking left centre mid the number 10 and then Legette mm-hmm. as the number eight. So I think he's not been designated in that role. So mm-hmm. if McKenney is taken from the number eight spot and put in the number 10 spot, it's going to be Christian Roldan starting against Canada. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm not opposed to that. I'm really not. Okay. Um, I, have, I have been vocal in my lack of enthusiasm about Christian Roldan in the starting 11. Yeah. Um, but I think given how strong the U.S. looked against Cuba, and it's worth noting how uh, not – Potent. They looked against Cuba in the second half. Obviously, part of that is that you're up 7 0. You can take the foot off a little bit, but there seemed to be a lack of ideas, a lack of sort of consistency of play that we saw in the first half once those three changes were made. And I think I'm going to go ahead and say, like, I would like to see Pulisic start wide again in this Mm. game just because I want to see, like, does that give us a better attacking threat and is something that's been missing? Or do we see kind of the same problems once we go up against a stronger opponent? I guess I want the consistency in the 11 to be able to kind of let me know what was actually working versus what was working against Cuba. Okay, so we're going to assume it's going to be Jordan Morris on the right. Yep. Um, and we're going to assume that McKenney and Pulisic will feature somewhere, yep. right? So then the, I guess the selection question is, um, is it Paul Ariola on the left wing, mm-hmm. Pulisic, Pulisic number 10, McKenney number 8, or is it Pulisic out on the left wing, McKenney at the 10, and we assume Christian Roldan at the 8? Uh, that would... Those are, those are the two. Those are the two variations on this, right? I'm still confused why, like... I guess I understand, but like, if you're going to say that McKinney would be the number eight if Pulisic went to the number ten spot, why couldn't you keep Pulisic at wide attack and put in uh, Legette as that number ten and move McKinney to number eight where he would go if you moved Pulisic central? Oh, I didn't think about. That. I thought you were saying Legette would be the the number eight. No. Oh, okay. So Legette in the ten yeah. role and Pulisic out wide. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I've always assumed. Yeah, that's because it would be like, and then Legette can swap out wide and and Pulisic can come central, similar to Pulisic and Ariola. Okay, I think Legette can do that that type of uh, work as well. Is this if Ariola's injured, or are you suggesting just selecting Legette ahead of Ariola? Oh, no, that was just like that was the one that would sort of make sense to me. Like, would be Pulisic wide, Legette, McKenney, and then yeah. Morris on the other side. Oh, that's so one I could see. The reason I was confused is because my original idea was that McKenney looks so good in the ten role mm-hmm. that maybe there's a temptation right. to keep him there. right yeah. but i'm saying as long as we're moving him to number eight if, to like to accommodate Polisic, then why not move him to number eight to see what happens when you bring the jet in okay that's a possibility as well again like you could really talk me into a lot of different ones of these maybe you'll end up having to make the final call here because like i i could see a number of different possibilities based on whatever burhalter wants to experiment but i think for actually i'll just say it myself because i want to see a little bit of consistency to know what's working i think i want to see Polisic wide 
I really like McKennie as that number 10. So maybe back to that, it's which also, means I think Roldan is a number eight. It gives you the Pulisic-McKennie combo, which I actually think was quite important mm-hmm. to just have those. It's a real strength on that side of the field, right? To have McKennie and Pulisic uh, combining together. I know what you mean, but it's confusing because the idea then of like saying like, yeah, but if you put Christian Pulisic out wide and McKennie at left, like left center midfield, you finally get that combination. It's like, well, wouldn't you get that if one is an eight and one is a 10? Not down one side. They're not there focused down one side of the field, mm-hmm. right? They can get split onto different sides of the Field. Gotcha. So, what would you say? It's Laria, right? Is the right back. So mm-hmm. that's who'd be in trouble yeah. if we went with that McKenny Pulisic thing. Um, so there is a cautious part of mm-hmm. me that thinks maybe go with what we've done the most, which is Pulisic at the ten, McKenny at the eight, the hardworking Paul Ariola um, on the left wing, because then we know that he would track back um, as well, uh, and then Jordan Morris on the right and Josh Sargent up front. Okay, uh, that would be like the obvious pick and the thing that we've done lots and lots of times before, right? But then the other part of me is really tempted by this McKenny at the 10 and Pulisic out wide thing. So I'm, if you feel that way, I am 100% willing to go with you on that. All right. Yeah. But then you've already moved ahead to Sargent starting up top. And yeah. that, that's where, where we may disagree because while I would like to see Sargent start, I think we see Zardes. So that's what gets a little confusing as well. Uh, well, yeah, the TSS pick would be mm-hmm. Sargent, I yeah. assume, right? Unless you've had a massive about turn on your assessment of Jesse Zardes. No, I think I would like to see Sargent um, like, Strangely, not even because he was good against Cuba, but because you and I saw a lot of things that we were like, okay, that's why he's not necessarily lighting the world on fire at Werder Bremen, and that's why we haven't seen him automatically be the number nine for the U.S. under Berhalter. There was – we had questions about his movement, about his positioning, about like the kind of threat he provides for the United States or he presents for Canada. Um, and so maybe with a few more practices, a little bit more like repetition under his belt, maybe he looks a little bit better against Canada and we see more yeah. kind of dynamic running, I mean, which is a thing Berhalter talked about. I saw a little bit of what I, what I, I think Berhalter wants to see, which is Sargent coming deep and showing for the ball, or even fake showing for the ball, mm. and then Jordan Morris running in behind him. Right? I assume that's one of the patterns that Berhalter wants to see. I the mean, thing, he also talked thing, about Sergeant like, making direct runs into the box with yeah. the ball, and like that's not a thing I saw against Cuba. Well, one thing I did see is he would crash the near post, mm-hmm. and defenders would go with him, and then it would like open up space at the back post that McKenney would come in and fill in. You know, a couple of those goals were mm-hmm. like, uh, Jordan Morris, you could see he was almost aiming for Josh Sargent or aiming beyond Josh mm-hmm. Sargent when he was making that near post crash. Um, so I don't know. I I think I saw enough of him that I'd be happy to see him start. I mean, again, I'm I'm literally saying Berhalter said like we want to see him go at people and like make runs into the box. Yeah, and like yeah, I guess as a decoy run to the near post, like that maybe, but that's not to me. What, like, when you say, like, I want my number nine making runs in the box and going at people, yeah. making a, a run to the near post to maybe be a decoy, so but maybe be the one on the receiving end? What did you take Bell to mean by that? Like, with the ball at his feet? Yeah, or? a little bit. I yeah, see. like, we All want right. we want to see him be a little bit more killer in front of goal. We want to see him try to take chances. And then. So you want to see him, like, receive the ball with a center back in front yeah. of him and, like, go past the center back? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, I, and he didn't mention this, but I, I do believe that Berhalter probably didn't love that one sequence when Sargent works really hard, wins the ball, gets a breakaway, and sky that shot right at that, the end yeah. yeah that level of like you like, I really like the first 80% of it yeah oh no absolutely <laughs> but I really think that like if he finishes that one I, I genuinely believe that he moves way higher up in Berhalter's estimations oh, just because it's like not only can he win and do the off the ball running and cause problems and get the ball back and make a, like a threatening attacking run but he can calmly finish yeah. that but he can calmly finish is not a thing we've often said about a lot of the players on the national team that's one thing I would love to be able to see from a US uh, strike option all right and then if it's Zardes mm-hmm. I want to I want to maybe get this out there sure I definitely have uh, more of an appreciation now for even though he has some almost comedy moments in front of goal yeah. 
the idea that Zardes is making the moves and being in the positions that Berhalter wants him to be in to open up space for other people. And I've come to see that striker role more as sometimes just you sacrificing your own goal-scoring glory or opportunities to open up space for other people. Mm -hmm. And because Zardes knows how to do that, that's why he keeps getting selected. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And I... Just if that happens and it's Zardes starting, I'm not going to be one of those people who's like, oh, Zardes, he's terrible. He sucks. Mm-hmm. Why are we even doing this? Because I think I have the answer for why are we even doing this? Why is he even playing? The answer is that he knows the patterns of play mm-hmm. and can facilitate things for other people. Yeah. Yeah. A, a thousand percent. So maybe yes. if you're going to be supporting the US and just thinking about uh, how does this team work and what is this guy's role within the team, think of it that way instead of just thinking of you don't like him, therefore you're going to be mad at the television. Yeah. The television can't hear you. Like... I would say this. It cannot. Number one, that is true. The television – well, unless it's a listening device for, you know, any one of the governments yeah. or, like, giant corporations around <laughs> the world that is probably listening to everything you're watching, yes. If it's uh, – uh, what's it called? Waystar? Rico? Yes. Um, we hear you. We hear you. Oh, boy. Oh, Greg the Egg. Gregory the Eggery. Uh, <laughs> all right. Here's what I'd say. Greg Berhalter is not stupid. Like, and, and that is number one point I would like to get across is Greg yeah. Berhalter, you may not like him. You may not like his tactics. He is not a dumb human. And I can say that just because, like, I, you know, you don't get where he is by being stupid. But also the – how do I say this? Like, the answers that he gave you and me when we asked technical questions were – thought about and very quickly processed and answered in a way that did not involve a lot of like boilerplate easy language like I think he thinks about questions I think he thinks about things in a way that right there shows that he's a smart person and I think then that like I say that to say like I'm not going to be frustrated if it's Jesse Zardes because I kind of assume that Greg Berhalter is working towards something and trying to make something happen and yeah. Jesse Zardes performs a role in there. Where my frustration comes in is this is a long-winded way of explaining like where I am sort of with Greg Berhalter is yeah. that I think you and I have experienced at Richmond Kickers level at like club level with some of the teams we watch and and or support in my case that like theory is only good if you can execute that theory and like idea and like here's our principles if you can't actually implement them that's where my frustration comes in i will never be frustrated with a coach who has interesting ideas and really focuses on pulling them off and effectively pulls them off that's great but if that coach has this idea like here's what jesse's art is offers and here's why we got to keep calling him in but then that never really becomes obvious how it's working or why it's working that's where my frustration is so i think that's another thing i'm going to be paying attention to because again i fully expect it to be jesse's art starting against Canada so then I want to look at like okay is this just more of a let's oh, so just keep trying to, it and you see to test my theory like is he creating space for yeah. other people that we're not really exactly yeah. because this, this time we can watch and keep an eye on that yeah. and be like ah that's it even though we mm-hmm. maybe um, shanked one from 12 yards yeah. he also opened up the space and McKenny ran into it exactly yeah, yeah so I, I think I want to see signs of like okay this isn't just like on paper this should work and so we're going to keep doing it and hope that it works I want to see like oh Jesse Zardes is making a run that we didn't see him make or he is looking a little bit more clinical or he's doing a job that other people can't do or he hasn't done previously we're seeing the progression if we don't see that then my consternation with his continued selection increases okay is there anything else we're looking for from this game like I'll give you one I am looking for that Canon Morris Mm -hmm. connection I want to see Morris uh, making those like uh, fake runs one way darting running behind him Reggie Cannon being mm. um, like aware and quick enough to to play him in. I know it was easier against Cuba, but and we did it like I don't know. It must have happened like ten times against Cuba, right? If it can happen two times against Canada, I feel like that's still a pretty good ratio. Yeah, I think with that in mind, like 
my answer is I, I really I, I'm thinking about how I've thought about building this roster and building this starting 11 and this team. I don't necessarily care about the result as ludicrous as that sounds. Like I always want to win. Don't get Even me wrong. Points on the line. And like if we if we beat Canada in this game. Yeah. We go top of this group because we've already matched their goal difference yes. in terms of the goals they scored against Cuba. First of all, yeah. uh, listeners should know the size of my eye roll when you said there are points on the line. There I, are. T- I know what you're saying. I know we value things differently right now when it comes to the Nations League. And you are concerned about like where Canada would be in the hexagonal rankings and why they're going to I mean, care Canada about it more so. are concerned about where they're going to be in the FIFA World Rankings because they want to make the hex not the second tier of World Cup qualifying. And I don't That's disagree. a thing they're absolutely thinking about. And I don't disagree with that. Okay. But I-, I think that when I look at like how I have thought about this starting 11 against Canada, it is very much with an eye towards, okay, where are we moving next? And that is, I think, what I want to see from this game is, okay, maybe it's Canada, but maybe it's Yedlin. And if it's Yedlin, does he do the things that have been asked of him? Is he doing a different job? Or is he able to link up with Jordan Morris if it's Jordan Morris if it's Christian Pulisic central why are we playing him central if it's him wide then is that where he's going to be like I, I guess I look at this Canada game as there are a lot of different like secondary question marks I have about this team that maybe this game could help answer mm-hmm. at least several of them and that's where I think I'm more focused on that than yeah. are we going to beat Canada and I think there's a lot of stuff like uh, you asked Bearhalter in the last mm-hmm. press conference. Again, I still uh, want to win. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about Pulisic playing central mm-hmm. versus Pulisic playing wide. And Bearhalter's right. answer was essentially, uh, we still don't know what's best. We're still finding things out yeah. about him. Um, I don't mind it being a different position for a different game, right. honestly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't mind sometimes Pulisic in the middle, sometimes Pulisic out wide. I think it's kind of the endless question, right? Is Pulisic better central or wide? Maybe it just depends who we're playing. You know what yeah, I mean? I'm uh, happy with him moving back and forth. Yeah, yeah. It's not as though I need him to be in one role all the time. Yeah. It's more of a like we talk about this national team a lot, a lot, a lot, I'm a very lot. Aware. I, d- I never get tired of it. Th- that question of the number eight versus number 10 and who- and who's there if it's not Pulisic, I genuinely don't have an answer. Yeah. Like, I don't have an answer that I would say confidently because, like, yeah, it's Roldan as an eight if it's Weston McKinney as a 10. Is that a thing I want to see against stronger opposition? No. So then, like, who else fills that role? Like, it. I think there are certain question marks I have about this team that are deeper, less answerable questions, for me at least, than I have had in a long time. Okay. Uh, final thing. I know you, uh, we're almost out of time, mm-hmm. right? Because you've got to get out of here. Um, final thing we're thinking about is there will be, unlike against Cuba, there will be moments when Canada have the ball mm-hmm. um, and, they're, and they're bringing it Cuba had the ball a lot. It was just when they were kicking off yeah, after they, the U.S. scored. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had a lot of possession in the center circle. <laughs> right? right? Right in the it's middle weird. of the field. Um, so <laughs> At least th- seven completed passes. <laughs> yeah. There'll be a lot of times when Canada will have the ball. I'm very interested in, once again, seeing how a 4-4-2 defensive mm-hmm. setup, how it works and how we're able to um, block off their passing options or apply pressure. Because I am still not convinced by this. Sometimes the wingers go in pressure, but they do it late and it's a little... Uh, it's always a second too late to be actual mm-hmm. pressure. I saw that not working a lot um, in previous games. Yeah. And I, I want to see it work against Canada. Mm-hmm. I don't see Bell to change in that system. I would like to see it at least get refined to the point where it's effective in stopping Canada from playing. One final wrinkle with, with everything you've mentioned there. I should note... We hear this sometimes, and sometimes it, it's it's like a, an easy answer. It's not necessarily the truth, but four or five different players that I that I heard speak uh, on Friday evening 
straight up said without much prompting, like, we have not prepared for Canada yet. We have only prepared for yeah. Cuba. That's what we've been focused on. And I do wonder if that is true. Like, do we see them go back to kind of a more familiar setup and system because yeah. so they haven't worked it as much? Central, yeah. wide left, yeah. wide right. But again, I wouldn't be mad about it. It's yeah. still a fine setter. Yeah. yeah. But, but that would be dictated by how much of the ball Canada have and what they yeah. think Canada are going to do. Okay, actually, that raises a second question. Maybe we can address this later if you're about to run out of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of, does Greg Berhalter, like take into account the opposition are strong here? We've got to watch out for this guy. We've got to do this or we've got to do that. Or does Greg Berhalter just constantly, because time is limited as well, constantly repeat the positional play, patterns of play, uh, run these options? Like You know what I mean? Like, is all the focus just on what we do with the ball? And that's why the defensive side of it looks a little weak. And maybe we're not set up to uh, be prepared for the specific threat of Alfonso Davis or Jonathan David. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have an answer for you, my that friend. That might be a question we have after this game if yeah. things go wrong. But mm-hmm. let's hope that things go right. My, my, my operational assumption has always been that you want the most generically applicable, successful like formation and approach you can have yeah. that you can then adjust little things here and there to be like Alfonso Davies is a very pacey left winger that we know is going to do this. If all their attacks are going to go down that side, then we just want to adjust a little bit. And now we've got a more defensive right winger who can come in and handle that. Like, yeah. that's my assumption. That's, that wouldn't be Jordan Morris, right? It would not. Yeah. So there you go. So that's the question then is like, is that a thing that Berhalter is doing is adjusting his general game plan with little modifications or is it not adjusting at all? Or is it a complete adjustment? Okay, here's a good acid test. If we end up seeing Jordan Morris on the left wing, <laughs> and we see Christian Roldan on the right wing doing a more defensive job, we'll know that he has taken into account... Alfonso Davis, let's shut that down. All right. Yeah. All right. So that'll be a thing to look out for. As Lots well. of things to look out for from this game. Yes. I will have both my eyes on this game. I'm going to be in Boston, but yep. we're still going to record a review um, after after the game, right? So we'll it's going to, we'll see. No, we won't. Uh, it's Canada versus the United States. <laughs> it will States. not be in a car. It's listed as a 7.30 Eastern kickoff. It's on ESPN2 and on TUDN. So 8.07 is what we're thinking? I don't know. I don't know if... We'll, we'll find out, right? I'm going to yeah. tune in around 7.30. Richmond area code is when it's going to kick see off. What, see what's going on. All right, Tyler Rockwell, thank you for previewing this game with me. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening to us preview this game. And we will talk to you again late Tuesday night.